If you are able, stand with me one more time as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. And it is indeed wonderful. Amen. Well, today we're looking in the book of Mark, chapter number 2. The book of Mark, chapter number 2. Before I read our text for today, I want to share some wins. We've just finished last Sunday. We finished our impact series and through this series, we, we just look back upon it and put our heads together and said, hey, let's count some wins that we had through this series. And so we came up with four wins. First of all, we won through prayer in this series. One of our largest attended prayer nights ever was when we had our prayer night during this series. Missions, hey, in one Sunday, in one Sunday, we gathered up $21,000 to invest in Bill Craver and, and Dream Center International, uh, the Grace Place, Yucatan. Wow, that was exciting. Amen. Discipleship track. Discipleship track. 32 people joined. I understand the youth room was full this morning during the early service with the discipleship track. Best we've ever had by, by far. C groups. C groups. Uh, 20 brand new families engaging in C groups since uh, this impact series. I think that's awesome, amen? It's awesome. God is up to something. He's doing some incredible things. We're excited about what God has done, is doing, and is going to do through us, amen. Well, today we're looking at the book of Mark, chapter number two, a very familiar passage of scripture, one that I've used on several occasions and will use again. I want us to look at it this morning. Mark chapter 2, began reading with verse number 1. It says again, he, speaking of Jesus, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. They could not come near him because of the crowd. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. That you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Father, one more time, I thank you for your infallible, your life-altering, your life-changing word. God, I pray today that you'll open our hearts to receive the word of God today, God, I pray that we will not only receive your word, not only listen and hear, but I pray that that we will put in practice what we receive today. 
Holy Spirit, prepare the heart to receive the word. Do what I'm unable to do. May the end result be what needs to be done. All for your glory, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Well, today we began a brand new, short two-part series called All In. Say all in. Now, this short series piggybacks on the series that we just finished called Impact. By the way, if you've missed any or all of those messages, I encourage you to go online and listen to this series of sermons called Impact. Because in the Impact series, we describe the heart of this house. If you want to know what the Grace Place is all about, if you want to know what the Grace Place is up to, all you have to do is listen to this series and and you will see and you will hear and hopefully you will feel the heart of this house. Well, today and next Sunday, we are challenging everyone to say, I'm all in. We've already presented to you the heart of the house. We've already presented to you the vision of the grace place. And so now we are asking you to say and join with us and say, I'm all in. Well, in the scripture that we just read, there were four men who made this very declaration. Now, a close examination of this story and of these four men reveal five characteristics of all-in people. So I want us to look at this story, and I want you to remember the story. I'm not going to retell the story. We read it. So remember the story as we go through this message today. Five characteristics of all-in people. The first one is this, and that is they care deeply. All-in people care deeply. Deeply. You see, people are only all in on something they care deeply about. Would you agree with that this morning? Here's what I know, and that is our passion dictates our ability to be all in. See, see, if you have no passion for what you're doing, if you have no passion for where you're going, if you have no passion for who you're with, it is literally impossible for you to be all in. Now, Scripture doesn't say, but I'm thinking these four men, surely they must have had a personal relationship with this paralyzed man. For them to be able to do what they did, for them to be able to endure what they must have had to endure, for them to be all in on this endeavor, they must have had a passion for this man. I don't know, maybe he was a friend. Perhaps he was a relative. Or on second thought, on second thought, maybe, maybe, just maybe, they just simply had a passion for helping people. Maybe they didn't know him at all. Maybe they didn't have any acquaintance with him at all, but they knew Jesus. And they knew what Jesus could do for I don't know, perhaps, maybe their passion was simply a passion for helping hurting people get healed. Let me say this this morning. Guilt will never motivate us to bring people to Jesus. I can stand up here and tell you all day long, you need to be doing evangelism. You need to be witnessing. You need to be bringing people to Jesus. But here's what I've discovered, and that is guilt will never motivate us to bring people to Jesus. 
It may make us feel guilty. We may feel bad that we're not doing what we ought to be doing, but guilt will never motivate us to bring people to Jesus. On the other hand, on the other hand, when we truly care for people, when we genuinely have compassion for their situation, only then will we be motivated to bring them to Jesus. Let me say this this morning. It's very fulfilling. It is very fulfilling to, to see someone that you helped get to Jesus, to see them get to Jesus, and to see Jesus begin to transform their life. Can you even imagine, can you even imagine how the four men in this story, how they must have felt when they saw because of the result of their efforts, because they got their friend into the presence of Jesus, their friend or whoever that he was to them, he came there on a mat, he came there paralyzed, but he left there able to Can you imagine how fulfilling it must have been to say we had a part. We had a part in bringing this man to Jesus. And the part, because we had a part in bringing him to Jesus, this man's life will never be the same. Oh, I want you to be all in. We're trying to find some more volunteers. We're trying to find some more workers. But I'm telling you this morning, it's not just because we need help. It's not just because we need people to be all in and to help us. I'm telling you, you'll never find any fulfillment in life that will come close to matching the fulfillment that you will have when you have a part in bringing somebody to Jesus and watching Jesus transform their life. What is the first characteristic of all in people? Number one, they care deeply. Hear me, friend, our passion dictates our ability to be all in. I'd also like to say this, and that is our priorities. Communicate what we truly care about. See, our true passion is revealed through our priorities. Here's what I know, and that is we take time for what we truly care about. Oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to be a volunteer. I don't have time to do this. Well, listen, here's what it is, and I've discovered it's the same in my life. We take time for what we truly care about. See, we don't have time for everything, but we seem to find time for the things that we really want to do. Let me tell off on myself this morning. I might not have time to clean the garage this week. I'm a busy man. I'm a executive, as I tell people. I'm important. I hold a position. I may not have, I'm a busy man. I might not have time to clean the garage this week, but I promise you, I promise you, I will, I will find four hours sometime this week to play golf. I promise you I will have time for my wife. I will have time for my kids. I promise you for certain I will have time for my grandkids and their events. Our priorities communicate what we truly care about. The question today is, are you all in? Have you bought into the vision of this house? I'm giving you five characteristics of people who are all in, all found in the scripture for the day. First of all, they care deeply. Second of all, they help carry the load. 
That's what all in people do. They help carry the load. Verse 3 says they came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who, who was carried by four men. See, people who are all in help carry the load. They don't just sit back with their arms folded and critique the ones carrying the load. No, no, no. They grab a corner of responsibility and help. Let me say this, and that is they make themselves available for the difficult tasks. They make themselves available for the difficult tasks. They don't wait for the glamorous jobs to open up to get involved. They don't have to be on the platform holding a microphone. They don't need their name mentioned in the bulletin or a, or a plaque presented to them or a spotlight shined on them. Listen, listen, people who are all in make themselves available for the difficult task. They get down in the trenches with you. They take a bullet for their leader. They roll up their sleeves, grab the heaviest corner, and help carry the load. Here's something else I know, and that is our actions reveal our level of commitment. See, committed people are involved people. Committed people give and go and grab a corner. Now, people who are not all in often resemble one of the members of the Tater family. How many has ever heard about the Tater family? Let me tell you about the Tater family. People who are not involved And not all in resemble one of the members of the Tater family. Perhaps you've heard of them. First first of all, there's Dictator. Oh, Dictator. He will only be involved if he can be in charge. And he doesn't even come to church if it's not his Sunday to minister. And then there's old Hezzy. Hesitator. She's so cautious. She's so skeptical. She never ever gets involved, although she has good intentions and she always plans to. Oh, hesitator. And then there's Speck. Spectator. He's an armchair quarterback who has never once been in the game but criticizes every single play. (laughs) And don't forget about Oagie. Agitator. I probably don't even need to describe Agi. (laughs) Always in the middle of drama. Always stirring something up. Always questioning leadership. And there's Emma. Oh, imitator. This person acts as a parrot and just repeats what they hear others say, whether it's true or whether it's not, whether it's founded or unfounded, whether it's nice or not nice, just 
Oh, imitator. There is one person in this family that we like, and that's old sweet tater. Ha, oh, ha, oh, I love sweet tater. Oh, always has a smile, always saying something nice, always saying something positive, always has something encouraging and uplifting to say. A team player shows up for ministry with a good attitude, always on the lookout for somebody standing alone in a corner, goes to that person and connects with them, plays the role of peacemaker. Oh, give me a houseful of sweet taters. Talking about characteristics of all in people, the third characteristic of an all in person, and that is they cooperate with the leader's plan. Verse 3 a paralytic was carried to Jesus by four men. Say, four men. Not one man, four men. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, say their faith, not the faith of one super saint, he saw the corporate faith of four men. See, this was a team effort. See, true ministry always is. See, see, I might be the face of this ministry called the Grace Place. I may be the voice of this ministry called the Grace Place. But I want to tell you this morning that the ministry of the Grace Place is much, 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 much more than me. I have an incredible, incredible team who works hard every single day to flesh out the vision that God has given to me to give to this house. And all of my staff members also have a leadership team that helps them do their ministry. We have approximately 130 volunteers at the Grace Place who help us fulfill our God-given vision. I can't do it by myself. Our staff can't do it by themselves. Amen. This is a team effort. We need all hands on deck. People who are all in cooperate with the leader's plan. See, I don't know which one it was, but somebody was in charge among the four men in today's scripture. Somebody had to provide leadership. Somebody had to come up with a plan of action. And somebody had to gather some people together and share their vision and share the way to do it and and, and say, this is the way we're going to go. That doesn't mean the leader wasn't open to suggestions from the other three. Perhaps, perhaps as he laid out his plan, perhaps somebody, one of the other three said, you know, that's okay, but what, have you thought about this? Or, you know, what if we'd done this and have you thought about this route? I'm not saying, it doesn't mean the leader is not open to suggestions from the other members of the team. But when, it come, when push comes to shove and where the rubber meets the road, there comes a time when the leader has to say, this is the way we're going to go, fall in line. What would have happened if one or more of the other three would have failed to cooperate? See, without cooperation, the paralyzed man would have never made it to where Jesus was and would have remained a paralytic, would have remained paralyzed his entire life. Somebody said it well when they said there is no I in team. Let me bring this home this morning. Are you a team player? Are you a team player or do you always do your own thing? Well, I know he said that's what we're going to do, but I'm going to do this. 
Are you a team player or do you always have to do your own thing? Is your motto, I don't kiss up to anyone. Or no one tells me what to do. Are you a team player? Have you captured the heart of this house? Have you picked up your corner of responsibility? Are you all in or are you just tiptoeing around the edges? Somebody needs to hear this this morning. That is, you don't have to, you don't have to agree 100% to be all in. A lot of people are waiting to be all I'm not 100% convinced. Well, you don't have to be 100% convinced. Even in school, if you get 90%, you get an A. Now, I went to school so long ago, you had to get 93, but now it's 90, I understand. You, you don't have to be all in. Or, I mean, you don't have to agree 100% to be all in. Every I doesn't have to be dotted and every T be crossed the way you would dot them or cross them in order for you to be all in. And let me tell you this this morning, and the fact of the matter is you will never say never. You will never agree with anyone 100%. And let me let a little air out of your balloon. Not everyone agrees with you 100%. See, see, it's not about agreeing on all the minors. That's the problem with the church and the world and politics and everything else. It's not about agree. It's not about agreeing on all the minors. It's about agreeing on the major things. And because we agree on the major things, then we take a corner of responsibility. And together we take people to Jesus. And together we have an impact on people's lives. And together we get the job done. I don't even agree with myself 100%. Somebody came up with a great acronym for the word team. That is, together, everyone accomplishes more. See, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. We're talking about the characteristics of all-in people. First of all, they care deeply. Second of all, they help carry the load. Thirdly, they cooperate with the leader's plan. And number four, they confront the obstacles. Verse number four, the crowd was so large, they couldn't get the stretcher in. So they climbed up on top of the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and lowered him into where Jesus was. Wow. I have never had anyone try to get into church that hard. People who are all in confront the obstacles. They don't expect the job to be easy. In 46 years, it'll be in October the 20th, it'll be 46 years for me and my wife to be in full-time ministry. And in 46 years of full-time ministry, we have never, ever had an easy assignment. Never had an easy assignment. Our first full-time Ministry assignment was to pastor nine elderly widows and two children, and our pay was $15 a week. My wife and I were just 17 years of age. We lived in a shack, literally a shack, owned by the church. 
Our second ministry assignment was to pastor a little church way out in the middle of nowhere. And my wife and I lived in the basement of the church. Another assignment was to pastor a church that had just split. The people were wounded and hurt and discouraged and disillusioned. Another ministry assignment was to to follow a pastor who had pastored that same church for 40 years. He was 28 years old when he became the pastor. He was 68 when he retired. 40 years in the same church. And in those 40 years, he had not changed one single thing. It was like walking back in time. We were told before we took the assignment, everybody wants change. (laughs) Until we started changing. We planted a church from scratch, beginning with just my family of four and another family of three. Seven people, seven prospects was all we had to begin that Church in a city we had never been to in our life. No building, no people, no money, no programs, no equipment, nothing. Just start out. Nothing. And 15 years ago, we were given this assignment. I'll just say it didn't look anything like it does today. I have never been given an easy ministry assignment, but that's okay. That's okay because people who are all in don't expect the job to be easy. If it were easy, anybody could do it. People who are all in confront the obstacles, whatever the obstacles are. And they explore other methods when the original method fails. These four men in our scripture started out with a plan. They had a plan of action, a plan that they were convinced, they were sure of, would work. But when they got there, they they discovered some obstacles, and they discovered that their original plan wasn't going to work, and so they explored other options. You might say, Pastor, what should we do when methods that used to work no longer do? Boy, I wish half of the churches in America would ask that question. What should we do when the methods that used to work no longer do? Let me, say, let me give you two things to do. First of all, you need to alter your plan. Alter your plan. Now, you spell alter here, A-L-T-A-R. Now, an altar, A-L-T-A-R, an altar is a place where you kneel. An altar is a place where you pray. So what do you do when the method no longer works? You alter your plan. You pray and you ask God to give you a new plan. You ask God to give you new methods. Not worn out methods, not outdated methods, not not preferred methods. No, A-L-T-A-R, your plan. And when God gives you your new methods at the A-L-T-A-R, then get up and alter your plan, A-L-T-E-R. Put into motion the method God gave you at the A-L-T-A-R. Let's look to the fifth and final characteristic of all in 
And that is they complete their mission. They complete their mission. Let's look at verses 10 through 12. Verses 10 through 12. Jesus said that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Two things I want to say here this morning, and that is about all in people. That is, they do what they can, and then trust God to do what they can't. They do what they can, and then they trust God to do what they can't. Verse number 5, the Bible said when Jesus saw their faith. See, see, they couldn't heal this man. They didn't have the power. They didn't have the ability to heal this man. They couldn't heal this man, but they could take this man to somebody who could. We can't heal him, but we can put him on a stretcher. We can take a corner of responsibility. We can't heal him, but we can carry him and take him into the presence of Jesus. We can do our part, and once we do our part, then we're going to trust Jesus to do for this man what we are unable to do. We're going to do what we can, then we're going to trust Jesus to do what we can't. Second thing I want us to notice is, and that is they cast the spotlight on Jesus and not on themselves. Notice verse number 12. After this man was healed, it says everyone glorified God. They glorified who? Everyone glorified God and were amazed. Notice it doesn't say these four men were given a medal. Notice it doesn't say they were presented with a plaque. Notice they weren't even recognized in any way because the spotlight was not on them. The spotlight was on Jesus. Let me ask you this question this morning. Why do you do ministry? Why do you do ministry? For a salary? If you do it for a salary, you're a hireling and not a minister. I've never allowed a salary or the amount of a salary to dictate whether or not I would minister. Never. The attitude toward the salary, yes. Why do you do ministry? For a salary? Why do you do ministry? To be recognized? Or do you have a genuine heart for helping hurting Genuine heart for for taking people to Jesus so Jesus can work a miracle in their life. Years ago, my wife and I were pastoring another church in another city. One of our teenagers from the youth group graduated from, from high school and went to Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie for ministry training. At that time, at Southwestern, they had what they called the Harvester Choir. They still have the Harvesters. I don't know if it's a choir or not, but it used to be a choir. And this young lady, she had a lot of talent. And she auditioned for the Harvester Choir, and she made the, 
made the choir. And so she, she, along with others, traveled representing the college through the Harvester Choir. She called me one day. She said, Pastor, is there any way that the Harvester Choir could come and minister in our church? And I, I said, absolutely. And so we found a, a, a Sunday morning that would work for everybody, and I had the Harvester Choir come and sing for our church on a Sunday morning. Well, they had a ritual, for lack of a better term, back in those days. And that is, if, if you were in your home church and you were in the choir, you got to introduce a song. And so you would introduce a song and you'd talk a little bit about the college and give a little testimony and then introduce the song. And so this young lady, she, in our church, it was her home church, and so she got the opportunity to, to do that. She's a rookie, it's her first year in the harvester. She's not used to talking on the platform. She's in her home church. She's, she's a little bit nervous. And so she says a little bit about the college, gives a little testimony, introduces the song. And then right before she, when she's ready to finish, she says, now y'all worship us as we sing. Obviously, she meant to say worship as we sing, but she was nervous, and she said, y'all worship us as we sing. Why do you do ministry? I don't know about you, but I've, I've seen a few singers before that they might not have said it, but, you know, they were saying, I'm good, ain't I? Oh, worship me. Listen, listen, listen. Worship me as I sing. Oh, I'm talented. Ain't I doing a good job? Worship me as I sing. Get that spotlight over here. I'm over here. (laughs) Now, to be fair, I've heard a few preachers who said, I'm really good, ain't I? You ain't never heard anybody preach on this like this, man. I mean, I've, I found a nugget nobody else has ever found. Oh, I'm deep. Oh, come on, where's that spotlight? I'm, I'm doing good. Put the spotlight on me. I'm God's man of faith and power for the hour. Look at me. Why do you do ministry? For a salary? Why do you do ministry? To be recognized? Why do you do ministry? So the spotlight will be upon you. Listen, listen, listen. The spotlight can never be upon us because I'm telling you there's nothing that we can do this morning. I want to tell you there's nothing I can do for you this morning. I am powerless to do anything this morning, but I will tell you what I can do, and that is I can take my corner of responsibility and I can help carry you to Jesus. And if I can get you in the presence of Jesus, amen, you don't need to be in the presence of Mike Benson. You don't need to be in the presence of the grace place but if we can get you in the presence of Jesus Christ and that's what it's all about and that's what every service is about. It's geared to get people, the spotlight on Jesus and if we can get people in the presence of Jesus, amen, Jesus will get them up off of the cot. Jesus will give them what they need. Where's the spotlight shining in your ministry? On you or on Jesus? People who are all in cast the spotlight on Jesus. And people who are all in complete their mission. 
question I have for you today, the takeaway for the day is, are we all in? Are we all in? And those of you that say, yes, I'm all in, do your actions prove it? Do you carry the heart of this house? Are you all in? Do your actions prove it? Father, I just pray today that you will take the word that has been shared this morning. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do a work today.